Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. Well, hello and welcome to everybody. And I think this is uh, my opportunity to thank you for worshiping uh, with us online. And I want to take this opportunity just real quickly to say, if you're joining us and this is your first experience to worship with us online, we want to welcome you. Maybe you're here uh, joining us from another church. You're a part of a congregation that doesn't have a stream and you're a guest uh, uh, today. I just want to welcome you. I want to say as well, if you're a regular attender, maybe you worship with us at our East Campus uh, or or West Campus, or Community of Hope uh, Online, or maybe Community of Hope Espanol, wherever you're coming from, uh, we want to welcome you, including those I was thinking who podcast. And we have a lot of folks who uh, worship with us across the week. We want to welcome you in so many ways. I think uh, this is a unique moment uh, in world history. And I was thinking all this week long as this stuff was unfolding, I was like you reading the news and uh, participating in all these different things. And I was thinking that in all of this stuff that is changing and all of this stuff that is churning around us, I found myself in my own devotional time uh, being grateful for some of the things that don't change. And I thought I would mention some of those. We have a God who loves us. Uh, that is something that uh, hasn't changed. We have a God who has revealed himself in Jesus Christ. We have a God who has uh, promised never to leave us or to forsake us. And we have a God who invites his people created in his name and redeemed by his grace to step into the chaos of our world and to offer in real and tangible ways his real presence, just as Jesus told his disciples in the gospel of John. He said this, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give it to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Isn't that good? Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not, do not be afraid. And I'm excited about that. And I just want to share how excited I am to be here worshiping with you. I was thinking, like I said, this is a unique moment in world history. So this year, will start actually, uh, I think it begins my 33rd year uh, in pastoral ministry, which means one thing, it means Beth is getting old. No, it doesn't actually just mean that. It sort of means that, but it means other things too. And I was, I was thinking about this because um, there are a lot of things that are going on right now in our world that we can't understand. And, um, you know, a lot of stuff is turning around. We're trying to make sense of different things. But I got to tell you one thing that I, that I don't understand that doesn't make any sense to me. And that is the toilet paper thing. I don't, I don't understand the toilet paper thing. In fact, I want to show you a picture. This is in, uh, the grocery store that we shop in. That's the toilet paper, uh, uh, aisle. And I don't, I don't really understand this. I, I know that an early in our marriage, when Beth and I were just married, I wanted to, and we would grocery shop together. Some of you heard me say this. We would end our dates a lot of times at the grocery store. And um, just because I wanted Beth to just always remember what a great guy she married. Uh, when we would go into the grocery store early in our marriage and she wasn't looking, I would throw extra stuff into the cart. And I remember one time I took a bag. You know, have you ever been in the grocery store? You have these bags of carrots or like 50 pound bags of carrots. I put that in the cart. <laughs> 
when she wasn't looking. Another time I took a dog bone that was as big as my parents' dog, and I put that in the cart. And uh, then another time we were in there, and when she wasn't looking, I went down the toilet paper line, and I just, I got all this toilet paper, and I just stacked all this toilet paper uh, in the grocery cart. And I rounded the corner, and there was a person from our church, and they just looked at the cart, and they said, everything going all right in the lockhouse. And I, I, I just remember that. And so this is a true story. The other day, the other day, uh, uh, this was, I think was Thursday. And uh, I had gone to work out with some friends. I was just finishing working out. And, and, and Beth called me and she said, she said, Dale, I know you're over near um, Trader Joe's. She said, I want you to stop at Trader Joe's. She gave me something she wanted me to pick up. And I walk into Trader Joe's and there's a woman who lives in our neighborhood uh, that I've gotten to know a little bit, and she will occasionally tend uh, community folk. And she just started working at Trader Joe's. And she, um, I walked in and she said, and she has this very thick, uh, I don't know whether it's a, a New York accent or whether it's a New England accent, but she said, oh, Pastor Dale, you're here. And I said, hi, how are you doing? And she goes, she goes, I'm so glad you're here. She goes, do you have toilet paper? We have toilet paper. And I wasn't really coming to the store for toilet paper, but she kind of convinced me that I need to buy toilet paper. And so I walked down this aisle. She goes, come here, I'm going to show you where it is. And this is, this is not a joke. I am not making any of this up. We walk into this lane. There's like, the lane is full. There's like 60 people in this lane. And this is what she says at the top of her lungs. She goes, look out, everybody. Pastor Dale's here to get his toilet paper. I kid you not, I, I just turned around and got my truck and I came home. I just, it was, it was like over. But there are a lot of things that um, we don't understand about this era. We don't understand what we're moving into. But I want to tell you uh, today what I, I do understand. I think this is an absolutely unprecedented time to be a follower of Jesus. I believe with all of my heart that this is a world-class moment for you and for me to live our faith. I believe without a shadow of a doubt that this is one of the greatest opportunities that many of us will ever see to step into the cracks of our culture, to resist the gravitational pull toward self-centered living and to be the hands and feet of Jesus. I believe with all my heart, this is our moment. And, uh, you know, our world in some ways looks like it's spinning off its axis. There's all kinds of anxiety out there. We see it everywhere. And um, this is our moment. And one of the things that I, I think about, too, it, it, it's an incredible moment to be studying right now what we are studying as a church. And uh, right now, if you've joined us, and again, I want to welcome all your all the guests who are here maybe for the first time, but we are in a series right now. In fact, we're week two in a series, and we're calling this series simply How to Pray. And it's sort of the, the simple guide to, you know, conversation with Jesus. And this is the conversation that we're in right now. We're in week two. And if you were with us last week, we talked about some of the myth busters about prayer. And if you were uh, with us last week and we said this, one of the myths that we often feel in our culture is that only a few uh, people pray. And we learned, in fact, that actually everybody prays, uh, even people who don't believe in God pray, which is kind of funny. Uh, we, there was another myth we looked at that simply says this, only a few people actually know how to pray. And this is one of the things we learned together, that we can all learn how to pray better. 
And if you're in one of our services last week, you know, I just had folks uh, raise their hand if, if, if they would admit sort of a moment of self-confession. How many of you admit you would, you, you, you could learn to pray better, that there's some work to do? And so this is one of the things that we talked about. One of the other myths we looked at is that prayer always works if you do it right. And one of the really profound things that we looked at, if you're with us last weekend, is simply this, that Jesus lived in the tension of unanswered prayer. And so even our Lord, and we, we remember on the night when he was betrayed, and we remembered when he, you know, he, he, we, scholars believe he stepped, you know, out of the uh, upper room at the Passover, he walked across the Kidron Valley, went down into the Garden of Gethsemane, and it was there that he prayed that powerful prayer. Lord, if, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. And, and I think on this side of religious history, a lot of us can just really say we're so thankful that God did not in his wisdom, answer that prayer. And so this is one of the myths. We also looked at this myth. God does whatever he wants, whether we pray or not. And we really struck that down and we said, listen, all over scripture and all over in the human experience, we're learning that prayer literally changes things. And so God invites us uh, into this relationship. And so now uh, on this weekend, I think this is so incredible because uh, on this weekend, we're going to take another step in. And this weekend, ready for this, here's what we decided to name our, our, our message this weekend. We named it Pause. Now, can you just, I want you to take a minute wherever you are and just think about that for a moment. We named it Pause. And I, we, we had no idea uh, several weeks ago on the teaching team that when we named the message Pause, we were actually going to ha- make the whole world come to this Pause. This is this incredible thing. And what we chose as a text uh, around this uh, message uh, comes out of uh, the psalm, actually, that Pastor Trevor was praying uh, over us earlier. And just a line in this beautiful psalm, here's what we chose. The line where the writer simply says this. He says, be still and know that I am God. What a what a what an amazing thought. What an amazing scripture for a moment that's going to be a real defining moment I believe in world history. Let's just take a moment and acknowledge God's presence with us even now. Lord, we thank you that you're with us. We thank you, Lord, for the things in this changing environment in this changing world that do not change. We thank you that you are with us. You've promised never to leave us or forsake us, that you have revealed yourself in Jesus Christ, and that, God, that we can be the kind of people uh, redeemed by your grace that that step into these moments of world history, uh, onto, onto this stage, Lord, that's been set to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And now, God, as we just take a moment or two and we think about the richness of what this psalmist is inviting us into. Would you come by the power of your spirit where we are right now, the church just dispersed all over town, all over the country, even in parts of the world, tuning in to listen. Would you come by your grace and say powerful things to us in this moment? For we pray together in Jesus' precious name. And everyone said, Amen. amen. What a powerful verse of scripture. Be still, be still, and know that I'm God.
I don't know that I, I could have chosen a, a better passage for us to think about right now in the uniqueness of what we're facing uh, as a nation uh, and as a world. And over the next four weekends, what we're going to do is we're going to, what we want to focus on, Pastor Trevor and I and Pastor Ephraim, is we want to, we want to take a different component of the word pray. And we want to help you in your prayer life develop in your prayer life by breaking this down. And we're going to take the word pray and we're going to use tonight the word, the letter P, and we're going to let that uh, word or let that letter stand for the word pause. Pause. Uh, I think the sound of this um, word is even intriguing. This morning, uh, Beth and I uh, got up early, and and I I told Beth, you know, it was kind of the calm of the morning. We have our routine, probably like you do, and uh, our routine usually involves when you get up in the morning, we we go right to the coffee uh, maker and pour a cup of coffee, and then we sit on the couch together, and we journal together, and we do our devotions together. And after we were through with that, uh, I told Beth, I said, you know, I said, let's Rather than make breakfast, I said, let's, let's go, let's go get breakfast together. So we put on our hazmat suit and we got in the truck and we, we, we were driving around town and we decided to go uh, over to the uh, store and, and we were going to just get, uh, go over to Jamba Juice and get a Jamba Juice. And, and, you know, we're thinking, you know, in, in our minds, we're thinking, well, the world's sort of been put on pause and we, and we go out. It was early. And I just want you to know, you probably experienced this too. It was crazy. When we went outside, there was all this activity, all this stuff going on. We, we pulled in over to near Jamba Juice and right behind Jamba Juice, you know, it's Costco. Costco's there and the parking lot. I've never seen the parking like, lot like that before. It was just absolutely insane. And it just sort of dawned on me in that moment that here we are. The world's on retreat. The schools are closed. The workplaces are honoring, you know, this idea of social distancing and, and our lives are filled with more and more with activity. It's like we cannot slow down. We take every moment and we fill that moment with activity and we fill it with responsibility. And what we want to tell you, what we want to have you think about uh, in this time, as we're talking about prayer, is I think the best prayers begin, first of all, by not praying. The best prayers are actually the prayers that start when we stop. I was reading, uh, I think it was Blaise Pascal, who was a mathematician, he was a theologian, he was an influential follower of Jesus uh, in the 17th century, and he said this, and I want you to think about this, I mean, he said this in the 17th century, so you think about all the activity that goes on in our lives, here's what Blaise Pascal said, he said, all humanity's problems stem from our single inability to sit quietly in a room alone. So, so, so when we think about this, this, uh, overreaction and overactivity that is so going on right now in our culture because of everything, I mean, here's Blaise Pascal, 17th century, telling us that this has always been part of the human condition and part of the problem that's embedded, uh, in our culture. Uh, and I'm really challenged by this because Pete Grieg in his book, How to Pray, which is in really uh, a lot of ways we're using as a companion guide, you know, to this series. Pete Grieg makes this startling observation. He says this, he says, the human soul actually is wild and shy. 
The psalmist compares it to a deer panting for streams of water. Celtic folklore depicted it as a stag, noble and coy. Our soul hides away from the noise of life, refusing to come on command like some slavering, domesticated pet. But he goes on and writes, but when we are still, when we are still, it is then that our soul emerges, inquisitive and quaveringly alive. I wonder what would happen in this moment, really. Uh, with all of what's going on right now, with, with all of this uncertainty, uh, we are living in, uh, I have a friend of mine who reminds me often that this is a fluid circumstance and it's set to change. I mean, here we are. We did not plan a week ago that, you know, even with all of this going on, that we would, uh, you know, have to make the decision really as leaders to honor those who are leading our country and to honor the medical professional field who said we should not congregate and to step into that. But we didn't know this a week ago. But it makes me wonder, what would happen if all of us uh, used this space not to fill it with all this kind of activity, not to fill it with an overabundance of running around and kind of chaotic craziness, but we would use this moment right now to still our soul and to still our spirit and to pause. I wonder if in that moment that the God of all creation who never shouts but only whispers would create in that moment an opportunity for you to hear his voice like you've never heard it before. I got to tell y'all, I believe with all my heart, this, this is a moment for us. And I, I have no doubt, and I'm filled with faith, that we will, we will navigate this as a nation. We will navigate this as a world. We will navigate this as a church. But really what I'm wanting to tell you is what if we navigated it in a way that we emerged from our quarantine and we were different? And I think in many ways that this is an opportunity that, that can happen. I'm a lover of history, and I'm a lover of all kinds of history. I remember reading years ago about, uh, in Civil War history, the story of uh, General Thomas A. Stonewall Jackson. Maybe you've heard of him. Show you a picture of me. He was a peculiar Confederate general during another national crisis. We remembered as the Civil War. This is a guy that would quote scripture all the time. He sucked on lemons incessantly. He wasn't afraid of anything. And history tells us that he actually lost his arm uh, uh, in the Battle of Chancellorsville after being shot by his own troops. But it was in the first battle of the Civil War, the first battle of Bull Run, which we might remember, historians remember as Manassas, and a hail of fire all around him. One of his soldiers looked up and saw him just standing there unafraid, and he said, look, there's Jackson standing like a stone wall. And it stuck. And he was forever thought of and, and called Stonewall Jackson. I have to tell you, sometimes I think that it ought to be said of us, and in my view, in a far more important context, that while the world is spinning around at 100 miles an hour and everybody is screaming, don't just stand there, do something. I think the real challenge of our day ought to be to turn that around and where we would say to one another, don't just do something, stand there. 
Stop. And this is a moment for us. I think, to be honest, the first great secret of prayer is tethered and tied to our our ability in the midst of all that is unfolding chaos around us to stop, to quiet ourselves, and to coax our real selves out of hiding and to reverently come into the courts of the king. Pete Grieg says it this way. He says, too often, he said, prayer can easily become a frenetic extension of a manic way that we all live. Distracted and driven, we step into the courts of the king without any modulation, without any introduction, without slowing our pace or lifting our face to meet his gauge, his gaze. But the sages say this, the wise ones teach us that true prayer is not so much something we say or something we do, but it's something we become and we first become it when we grow quiet and when we pause. Last year, many of you know uh, that I, I, I underwent a, a surgery last spring. Uh, I had my vocal cords repaired. And uh, it was probably talking too much, something that nobody's shocked about. And, um, and it was a hard season for me. I just remember navigating that, and, and I was navigating this surgery uh, right into the season of Easter, and I had to make a decision I've never made in over 30 years of ministry, which is not to preach on Easter Sunday. And I was a real powder about it. I was not in a great place about it. And I have a, a friend who has become a dear friend to me over this last year. And uh, he's in the medical profession. And he called me one afternoon and he said, what are you doing? And uh, I said, I'm mowing my yard. And, and uh he said, okay, so you're mowing your yard. And really what if I was being honest, what I would have said is I'm pouting, but I said, I'm mowing my yard. He said, uh, I'm coming over. And I said, well, I, I mean, I'm kind of mowing right now. He said, I'll be over in 30 minutes. And uh, I'll never forget that my friend pulled up into my driveway and he got out of his car. Uh, he had been uh, in surgery earlier in the day. And so he had a scrubs on and he said, come on, with me, and he walked me into my house, and he sat me down, and he opened his uh, satchel, and he pulled out a roll of toilet paper, and and he and he started unrolling the toilet paper all over my house, and he'd hang it on furniture, and he put it on lights, and he rolled it all around. And then he asked me to sit down, and he and he asked me for a pair of scissors, and I gave him a pair of scissors. And he cut the end of the toilet paper off, and he gave it to me. In fact, I'll show you a picture of it. I've kept it. And he said, this roll of toilet paper, uh, he said, this is your recovery. And then he handed me what he cut off, and he said, this is where you are in your recovery. It's going to take time. And later on when he left, I, I, I thought of, I was reflecting over that experience, I thought of the verse of Scripture and probably one of the most well-known Psalms, which is Psalm 23, where King David writes, and he says this of the Lord. He says, the Lord makes me lie down in green pastures. And I never thought of that verse in that way before. 
And I, I, I got to say, uh, get, get me theologically, you know, listen, I, I'm not saying God authored what we're going through. But I will say this. I believe God can author a moment within this where he would invite us by his grace to sit down in green pastures. Now, I will say about my friend, I, now I wish I had the toilet paper that he rolled all around my house. <laughs> so we're looking to, today at, at the first part of prayer, which is just pause. Be still and know that I'm God. My, my sense would be right, right now, you need to know that, that he is God. I know that uh, I need to know it too. I, I, I will close with this. Uh, yesterday was crazy. We were, we were navigating all of these statements. We were putting statements out. We're saying things. We're doing things. And, and then we had to adjust again because the CDC came out with some new protocols for the state of Florida. And we had to adjust. And I did everything that I could do in that moment. And then finally, I told Beth, I said, I've, I've just got to break away. And, and uh, earlier this year, I bought a paddleboard, a stand-up paddleboard. And I told my wife, I said, I'm going to drive over to the water, and I said, I'm going to get on this paddleboard, and I'm going to, I'm going to paddle around till the sun goes down. And that's what I did. And I, I think, I think when, when the psalmist is saying, "Be still and know that I'm God," I think what he's saying is, is quiet your heart. He's not necessarily saying just completely sit down. And I don't know if you're wired like me. For me you know, um, the opportunity for me to be outside, the opportunity for me to be in creation and the opportunity for me to be quiet and to watch everything that's going on around me. And I just remember this moment when the sun was going down and I felt the spirit of Jesus say to me, you know what? I'm still God. I'm going to be God tomorrow. Everything that you preach out of my word is still true. And I love you unconditionally. And you can embrace this moment and you can be still even in this and know that I'm God. Let him be your God in this season. And I'm telling you, you will emerge and you will come out of this and you will be different. Lord, I pray for all of my friends right now. I pray wherever we find ourselves, God, that by the power of your grace, King of mercy, that you would come into uh, our homes, that you would come into our coffee shops, wherever we would find ourselves in this space, worshiping in this moment, that Lord, you would remind us that the first way that we can really connect with you in, in prayer is, is to slow down to allow our true selves to emerge so that you can converse with us. God, if there's anyone listening and they're anxious or uh, they're doubtful or they're struggling or they're lonely, would you come by the power of your mercy and would you manifest your presence into their situation and their circumstance right now? Would you allow us as the community of Hope family over these days and hours and even these weeks, would, would you help us rise up to be the church in ways, Lord, we've never thought of before, but in ways that could be transforming for other people and transforming for us? God, help us to embrace these moments, not in the absence of faith, but to live them in the presence of faith so that our faith can grow. These are our prayers, and we offer them in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. 
As Pastor Trevor said earlier uh, in our service, we want to ask you to stay in touch with us on all of our social media sites. Uh, there's resources for you to grow in your faith and to have your family connect with uh, in this time. Uh, stay in tune with our website as well for updates uh, with respect to worship schedules and different ways we can be the church in this season. Be mindful of the people around you, especially our senior citizens, if they need help or if they need are afraid that we would just in this space rise up and be the church. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you soon. Amen.